August, we were created by the creator of the universe to create. That's what we're here for, to create. That's why we enjoy creating. We have a, a gift. There's something that you do that when you do that thing, you lose track of time and other people say, thank you for doing that thing, whatever it is. We all have a few. We all have at least one. We often want a different one than we have to embrace what we've been uniquely created to do and find that, whether we're supposed to use our gift to solve problems for other people, God's other children, that's who the people are, whether they recognize God or not. And yet, there's been a lot of studies over the last decade or two talking about how people don't like their job. Two-thirds of, of people who work don't like their job. Two-thirds. It's not good. Two-thirds. This one, report feeling disconnected and unhappy in their current job, almost 70%. Feeling unhappy and disconnected in their job. So you turn the page. Another study found that 45% of the people love their job, 42% at least like their job, and it's only 13% that dislike or hate their job. So then there was a third study to try to figure out that doesn't add up. Two-thirds of people don't like their job. 45% of people love their job. What are we missing here? And the answer is yes, because it turns out the difference comes down to how the researchers ask the question. If work is a crucial and important part of a meaningful life, if you have good relationships, if you have appropriate Sabbath, not only every week, but every day, talking to someone just a little bit ago who's starting a new big job, this is the first time. Those of us who are a certain age, remember when you first go to work, the crushing reality of, I only get two weeks of vacation a year? I'm kind of used to not really working at all. I've been in college. The idea is every day to have a Sabbath, every week have a Sabbath, which is to, uh, to back off from making money, to stop using our gift in the marketplace and to invest in the relationships around us. If we have work as a meaningful part of a meaningful life, then we like our job. Because if work is the number one priority in our, our life, we're guaranteed to burn out. There's not gonna be enough appreciation, enough money, and enough meaning in the work. Work is really crucial to a good life. It can't be the number one thing in our life. Now, I tell you all of this to introduce you to someone we're going to talk about this morning. If you uh, have ever taken the, the challenge, okay, I'm going to read the Bible this year. Right, all right, let's do this. You go find your, uh, your app that's going to read you the Bible. We don't read anymore, but we can listen. And we, we start Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This goes well. There's snakes, there's nudity, right? It's pretty good at the beginning. The last half of the book is all about Joseph and his brothers. You know, if you got siblings, that makes a lot of sense. Turn the page on Exodus, and you got baby Moses in a basket. And you got Pharaoh saying, kill all the Hebrew babies. And then you got his daughter bringing one into the house, right? If you're a parent, you can relate to that. My sister didn't like dogs. She didn't like animals, nothing. I go over there one time. She's an educated woman. She's got her master's degree, married to an entrepreneur, owned three airplanes. These were bright, capable people. They also had three kids. At one point, a cockatoo flew into their backyard. 
How do you explain that? Well, now it's in a cage in their house because the bird was knocking on the back door. That's got to be a weird experience. So they opened the door and it came in. Well, now we need a cage until someone, they put out flyers, come get your weird bird. Nobody ever did. And they have kids. They named it. Then, uh, then one wanted a dog, and then all three wanted a dog. There was, uh, there was a cat involved. I don't know. It was, like, it was like a zoo over there. And she didn't even like animals. However, she loved her children. The kids are out of the house now, and so are the animals. That's how it works. Pharaoh said, we're going to kill all the Hebrew babies. There's too many of these people. And then his daughter finds one in a river and brings it into the house. All of that we can relate to. And then you turn another page, and it gets into these weird details about the laws, the rules, that now they're building a temple, and it's got to be so many cubits. By, and you think, okay, I tried to read the Bible, and I, I, I failed. I can't read the Bible. Let me just skip to the Song of Solomon, right? That's a good one, and uh, wrap it up. Song of Solomon's all about, you know, a young couple, if you know what I'm saying. If you think the Bible's boring, you haven't read the Song of Solomon. So, the reason why Exodus gets into all the details is simply this. The, the people, the Bible people, had been generation after generation slaves in Egypt. They'd been told what to do. Nobody asked them what they wanted to do. So when they finally were free, they didn't know what to do. So they needed the structure. And there were the civil laws, like the speed limit, stay on your side of the road, right? Civil laws. There were ceremonial laws. You know, we all take the day off on the 4th of July kind of laws. And then there were the God laws, make money, give 10% to the temple, show up on, on the Sabbath, all those kinds of laws, right? So the different laws. Important, but from our perspective, you know, maybe not the most engaging. It's not like some kind of documentary on Netflix about a serial killer. So the competition is tough. And then you get into building the temple. The idea is this. The same as your meaningful work will be, you've got chaos bringing order to chaos. That's what they're doing. When they're building the temple, as they're coming up with the rules, and all the chaos they're bringing order. And everybody gets to participate. So let's jump into this Exodus near the end of the book, chapter 35, verse 30. Then Moses, he'd been the one in the basket, told the people of Israel, he grew up, I guess I should point that out. The Lord has specifically chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, grandson of Hur of the tribe of Judah. And we think, why on earth do we need to know this? Is there a quiz? And the answer is no. There's not a quiz. It's a fact of life. Why does who my grandfather, my great-grandfather was a tailor in Brooklyn? He would probably not approve, but it's okay. My wife let me out of the house. My great-grandfather my great was a tailor in Brooklyn. My grandfather worked for one of the New York newspapers, the Herald. My, my dad, right, down, down the line. The reason why we need to know this, we, you, need to know your family stories. The reason why we tell our kids the family stories is there's some things to live up to and there's some things to overcome. Know your family stories. There's things to live up to. 
some good, some good people, some good things you come from, and some things you need to be aware of, you need to overcome. Verse 31, the Lord, Moses talking, has filled Bezalel with the Spirit of God. And we think, oh, good, he's going to, you know, dance or levitate or, I don't know, heal somebody. Giving him great wisdom, ability, and expertise in all kinds of crafts. He is a master craftsman, expert in working with gold, silver, and bronze. And we think, we don't really think of filled with the Spirit is then you can, you know, build a platform. We don't really connect those, but we should. We need people who do the jobs. When you're not feeling well, you really want a doctor. When the AC goes out, you want an expert, whether you're filled with God or you just went to class and paid attention. We need you. When the roof is leaking, we need people who are good at their job. So Moses is pointing out that can be part of who we were created to be. The God of the universe isn't like, well, I know you got to work fine, but then I get you the rest of the time. That's not how work fits in. That's not how we're created. If we're created to create, then what we do in solving problems for other people is a big part of who we are. Why wouldn't the God of the universe be personally involved with that? If he gave us the gift and put us in where the opportunity is. Verse 33, he is skilled in engraving and mounting gemstones and in carving wood. He is a master at all of those. The Lord has gifted Bezalel and now Oholiab and the other skilled craftsmen with wisdom and ability to perform any task involved in building the sanctuary. They're building this big place to honor God. The people who are physically building it are honoring God by using those gifts. Let them construct and furnish the tabernacle just as the Lord had commanded. That applies at church, applies at your work, applies in your home. Do you have people who are good at stuff? Well, get out of the way and let them work. Hey, I, got a, I got an idea. No, nobody cares about your dumb idea. They're, they know what they're doing. Let them work. Now, we can't just default to experts and whatever experts say. Do you get the key of this? If there's an expert, you really know that area. What did this say about Oholiab and Bezalel knowing how to lead people? It didn't say anything about that. Just because you're an expert in your field doesn't mean you know what's best in all the situations. Really, I'm just talking to engineers at this point, if you know what I'm saying. Nothing? You don't find that funny? Only wives of engineers are laughing at that one. Just because you're good at something doesn't mean you're good at everything, and that's the key. We need to honor you and what you're really good at doing. And you need to be respectful and honor those around you that we're all in this together. No one person has it all covered. You extremely capable people have a... Some of us, we're good at like one thing. At our house, the kids call it mommy's toolbox. I'm really good at not thinking I'm great at everything. Some of you are remarkably capable. You amaze the rest of us. And then your struggle is to remind yourselves that I need other people. Let them construct and furnish the tabernacle just as the Lord has commanded. Verse 2. Now we're moving on to chapter 36. So Moses summoned these two, Bezalel and Oliab, Oholiab, and all the others who were specially gifted by the Lord and were eager to get to work. 
Moses gave them the materials donated by the people of Israel. Everybody's a part of this. Just because I can't construct doesn't mean I don't have a part to play. I got to do my thing so I have some money so I can give so that you can do your work. Moses gave them the materials donated by the people of Israel as sacred offerings for the completion of the sanctuary. But the people continued to bring additional gifts each morning. They were so excited by the work these guys were doing that they just kept bringing the money and, and the materials. They just, it, it started to become a problem. Oh, Holy Eb's got to, he's now tripping over too much lumber. Stop it. I got it. I told you what we needed. We got it. Stop bringing it. Finally, the craftsmen who were working in the sanctuary left their work. They had to stop. They went to Moses and reported, the people are bringing more than we need to do the work the Lord commanded. This is a problem. Now, now we just got a storage facility. Stop bringing the stuff. Oh, we thought you wanted more gold. We needed this much gold. We got it. Stop it. So Moses gave the command, and this message was sent throughout the camp. Men and women, don't prepare any more gifts for the sanctuary. We have enough. So the people stop bringing their sacred offerings. This can sound really harsh because I'm a New Yorker at heart, right, and I read everything as harsh. But the idea is celebrating. Guys, we, we got to the finish line. We did it. We had a fundraising. We met the goal. Now we did, we're going to build the sanctuary. Let's let these guys work. This is a, a celebration because at the beginning, people really didn't believe that as former slaves, they had the materials necessary to build a big sanctuary to God, for God. I don't think we can do this. It doesn't seem like us. Their contributions were more than enough to complete the whole project. So Bezalel gets two chapters in the Bible for no other reason than this. The unique gifts, abilities, and opportunities you have are God-given, and we honor God when we use those to serve others. I mean, you can never say no. No, you need to say no. Sabbath is important. There's always another problem. Jesus had all kinds of people he could, he could heal. It's, it's, if you get through Exodus and you can put down the Song of Solomon, you finally get to the New Testament. There are times when adult Jesus has a lineup of people to heal, and he'll just walk away. What are you doing? There's more, there's more people. Not every problem in the world is your responsibility. But we are working. We have a role to play when we use our gift to solve problems for God's other children. And did you see it? Bezalel doesn't get mentioned much throughout the rest of the Bible. Gets a mention later. This moment, his gift matched the opportunity. And this one's really important. The gift gets recognized, affirmed by other people. One of the, the old phrases is, are you in this place to be great? Is this a situation where you can be great? And if it is, then enjoy it. And if you're not, then it's up to you. Maybe not just walk away, right? Find, a, find your next opportunity. But to have your gift recognized by others, affirmed by others, you may have to move for it to be appreciated. Where I grew up, well, not, not a lot of Christians. And I would have some old people in the church say, your call to be a minister is so strong that, that we can feel it. And I would say, 
no thanks, I want to go enjoy my life. And so I played baseball until talent became an issue. I didn't have that. And then I really enjoyed broadcasting for years until I kind of did what I was going to do. And you realize I'm just really selling used cars and shoes and diapers here. So maybe I could do something else. So then, like you do, I cut a deal with the God of the Universe. And I uh, went and worked with the mentally ill for a year. And uh, my joke is that prepared, that prepared me for church. But it's not really true. But it's kind of a funny joke. Anytime you deal with the general public, you think maybe I should have some training in mental health. But my job was to take those who were had diagnosed mental health issues and try to normalize that for the rest of the community. So I do TV interviews with them and take them to college classes. And, and that was great. And then one night, I f actually felt the guard of the universe talk to me and say, if you're going to follow me, if you're going to claim to follow me, then either follow me or stop claiming to follow me because the way you follow me is making me look really bad around people who none of them go to church. N you're it. You're my one representative in your whole group. And if you claim to be a, a follower of God with that behavior, we got a problem. So either stop or straighten up. All right. So I called around and ended up in, in minister training school. And I learned a very valuable lesson about being in the right place because I went to the one in Kansas City, and right after that, they sent me to London, which I think was a win for all of us. I am not, um, my mother-in-law from the South says to her friends, he's not the classic minister, which I took as a, as a compliment. And my wife assures me she did not mean as a compliment. I, I'm on board fully with Jesus, but somehow the Midwest and the South interact differently, apparently, when it comes to church. You may have to move to find your fit, but once you find a reasonable fit, embrace it. We've been here 20 years. Embrace it and enjoy it. Don't make work an idol. Don't make it your identity. Don't make work your identity. You are a child of God who has that gift, who's solving people's problems, and be great at it. Be great at your job. In the name of God who gave you the gift, be great at your job. Also be wise enough when it's time to go home. The studies of all the crazy number of people who don't like their job, have a, it's a foundation issue. Here's the thing. We honor flashy work. We honor extreme wealth. This won't shock you. I've never seen the Kardashians. Do they still have a show? I've never seen it. But I read an article in a business magazine a couple of years ago. One of them has a cosmetics line, and she's a billionaire. Is this true? Right? Nobody wants to admit this. All right. Like half the crowd watched it this morning. I don't know. But the point of the article was she had this audience that, that paid attention to the show. And as I understand, she wasn't the star, whichever one was the star. It wasn't her. But she was bright enough to realize of this audience, she could fill a niche with this cosmetics. And so she went and found this source and took a risk and came up, designed the kits and put money down. And she didn't know it was going to work. And it worked and it took off. And so she gets to now be the whichever one that has more money than the rest of them. But it's not the picture by the pool that we commonly think of. The reason why she's a billionaire isn't from sitting by the pool. 
it's because she saw an opportunity and she creatively, if you had given me that opportunity, I wouldn't have been able to figure it out. She was the one that did the work. She gets the reward. She has her niche audience. It has nothing to do with me. But you have your niche that has everything to do with you. And to fill that niche, to address the needs of that group in a creative way, a craftsman was filled by the Spirit of God. Do, can we embrace our work as an opportunity to honor our Creator by what we do? Can you come and fix a roof really well at a reasonable cost in a reasonable time frame? That, that honors God. This one's really, if you faded focus, remember this one. If you're frustrated at work, it's always about another individual person. Right? We can forget that. It's always about an individual person behind every email, behind every job description as a single human being. UPS didn't deliver the package I was all excited about. Omar delivered the package. And the reason why Omar is hustling, hustling and delivering the package is because he's trying to make money to pay for the son who he had years ago. He doesn't have a great relationship with, but he's now understanding that he didn't have a good father figure and he'd like to be a good father figure. So that means he needs to come with some, well, with some money to the table so that he can have the opportunity to build a relationship with his son who's now seven. And he's trying to build a life with his girlfriend who he's hoping will soon be his wife, I hope sooner rather than later. That's why he delivered my package. UPS didn't deliver my package. Omar delivered my package. If we feel disconnected from the world, start realizing that we're dealing with individual human beings. C.S. Lewis, the Christian author, among other things, said, you've never met a mere mortal. Everybody was built to live forever. Whether or not we want that is up to us, but everybody was built to be immortal. The nation will go away. The world will go away. People don't go away, which may or may not be good news to you right now, but depending on who you're thinking about. We hear about... I'm trying to find my passion project, my, my passion. What passion actually means, the passion of the Christ, is what you're willing to suffer for. It's not going to be easy. Work isn't going to be easy. There's a reason they pay you for it. It's not easy. Hopefully some of it is. But regularly it's not easy. But it is worth doing. A job that provides a meaningful life we need people who do difficult jobs. We need people who build a temple. We need lawyers. You want to know why we need lawyers? Because we have insurance companies. Can I get an amen? That's why. That's it. That's the one reason we need lawyers. Because insurance people, they'll take the money, but they don't pay out. We had some friends. Our eight-year-old is terrified of lightning. And weirdly, our big dog, I don't know, quit your whining, man. What's your, you're not here to be a problem. But the eight-year-old doesn't like lightning. And so as a dad, I have told her for the last several years that houses don't get hit by lightning. A couple of weeks ago, one of her classmates, their house got hit by lightning, blew a hole in it. They now have to move out for six months and deal with a lawyer because insurance doesn't want to pay. The lawyer's their problem. The fact that their house got hit by lightning and the kid won't stop talking about it is mine. 
last night getting ready for mom and dad to go to bed. And I see a flash of lightning. Oh, no. We've got to put blackout shades over that eight-year-old's room. I keep forgetting that. We need doctors. We need surgeons. We need someone to fix the air conditioning and the roof and the car and someone to run the cable and fix the technology. And we need people who run companies with employees, sometimes lots of employees. We need people who see a situation and say that's not how it should be and begin the work of changing it. We are created to create. That's a big part of a meaningful life, to bring order out of chaos. Interesting, the uh, Old Testament does not have a language for retire, so it's okay. I'm looking at a few people. You're now looking at the floor. I've already done it. I filed filed the paperwork. What can you do? It's not that we can't retire. The Jewish understanding, the Hebrew understanding is the moment you stop being useful to people around you, God will just call you on home. Get that one out of here. we got precious resources. You're wasting your time down there. So you can do something different, but you still have to be useful to the people around you. That's how one of the main ways we honor God. You have a divine appointment when you use the gifts and opportunities God gives you to solve problems in those ways. The world is a better place. If you don't know what your gifts are, ask people. Pay attention to what you do and you lose track of time. Notice what you do that seems pretty simple to you and you are very confused why everybody else isn't good at this. Those are part of your gifts. There's all kinds of books, Strength Finders 2.0. There's all kinds of books you can fill out and, and gifts. You can do all those things. But when you do those things, the point is to find what you're good at so that you can then suffer for your work a little bit, make the world a better place. I haven't told uh, a Carl Granetsky story in a while. Picture any stereotypical old Chicago guy, that's Carl. Whatever you have in your mind, uh, like a movie character, that's Carl. Now, if the hot chick and I did our math right, Carl's 84 years old and... He has run every day of his life since he was 39 years old, woke up and looked in the mirror and did not like what he saw. So he just started running that day, and he's run every day of his life since age 39. He quit his job, started his own company, because Carl always has to be Carl. If in any way he's not Carl, it's a disaster for everybody else. He can't work for anyone else. He has to run his own business. And his wife made him come to church every week for decades, and Carl didn't like it. Because he's reasonably capable, they'd put him on a committee, and he would destroy any meeting he was a part of because he's Carl, and Carl can't be contained. So what Carl was excited is when we did a, our old church had about, I don't know, almost 2,000 people on a good weekend, and so we did the gift assessment, and Carl did his, and he found two things. One, he was good at generosity, and two, at hospitality. And so we stopped putting him in committees because he was making people cry. And he could work a crowd. He could meet most of the 2,000 people on any given weekend. And anytime, my old boss does not call me enough with this one because Carl's still going. Anytime there was a side project that was outside a budget, you could just go to Carl and he would write you a check for whatever you needed. My boss should be calling me weekly now that I say that out loud. It's just a thank you. Carl just wanted to know that it was meaningful 
that it was impactful. That's all he needed. He didn't need to be thanked from up front. In fact, you couldn't risk thanking Carl from up front because he would just come up and join you. Nobody wants that. I don't know what Al Capone was like, but I think he and Carl had some things in common is what I'm saying. But Carl solved a problem for me one time. So we're getting ready to do fall groups, right, small groups in the fall. So we were doing that. That was my job. We had about 85 small groups in this, this church we were a part of. And I had a dilemma because these were all Chicago, Wisconsin people. You ever meet a Chicago, Wisconsin person and you don't know what to talk to them about? Ask them what their favorite booze is currently. That'll keep the conversation going. If it dies out, ask them what their grandfather's favorite drink was. There was one. So I had a dilemma because my boss had gone in his younger days, before we met him, had gone too far with the booze and now was anti. He couldn't handle it. Boom. But God, who likes to mock us sometimes, had moved him from Oklahoma right into the middle of booze country. So all the small groups, you have people over to your house. Eric, what do you do in Wisconsin when people come to your house and booze? You make them a drink. That's what you do. So we had 85 small groups meeting in people's houses, booze everywhere. And this is my department. My boss sits me down. I was almost free to come to Tucson a little earlier than I was. And so uh, he wasn't happy. No booze. I can't overcome all these generations of culture. What am I supposed to do? We're having people host people in their home, and they're going to offer booze. They like me. They're not asking me these kind of questions. So I go to Carl. I say, Carl, I have a dilemma. So my hot chick and I were, were leading the group. He was hosting in his beautiful home, he and his wife. And he said, I got it. So it was next time we go to his house, people are gathering. You start with a meal. Then you sit down and watch the video. And then you have dessert. Then you have the discussion. And the booze is right there on the counter. And so we walk in. Carl said, I've got it. And the booze is right there on the counter. And there's the food. And people are gathering. And Carl said, I'll start us in prayer. Carl, I'd never heard him pray before. I wasn't sure what was going to happen. A little nervous, frankly. I was excited Carl was in church. Wasn't so confident about what he might group pray. And Carl said, let's pray. And he said, uh, Lord, thanks for these fine people and the food. Amen. And then Carl said, that concludes the official church portion of the small group. If you would like to stay for the food, the video, and the discussion, the beer, wine, and bourbon are right there in the usual place. That's the shortest small group I'd ever been to. I uh, was cautiously optimistic of what my boss was going to say. I took Carl with me, and my boss understood. He didn't like having church-sanctioned stuff with booze, but that was the culture, and Carl had given him a way out. So from then on, I assume they're still doing it. I get calls sometimes of people laughing about it. They'll start the small group with an ending prayer, and then they go on with what they're going to do. The reason I tell you that not to get a phone call from my old boss this week, although that may happen, but because some of you have hospitality gifts. 
And the rest of us need you to put those to work. Because before the recent pandemic, there was another one that got a government website, and it was the pandemic of loneliness. We're so disconnected. Our online connections aren't actually sufficient. They're not bad. They're just not sufficient. So we're starting our small groups this fall. Uh, and sometimes we do an outside video for Sunday morning. Nikki Gumbel and Alpha was last year. Rick Warren and Prayer was one before. We're not going to do that. We're going to do our connect groups after donuts. So we'll go out, do our donuts, and then come back in for discussion. There will be some in-home uh, in groups because that time works better for some people. There's marriage mingle night with booze. There'll be family game nights. There's a parenting night coming up. There's youth nights. No margaritas at those, by the way. I don't think I need to say. Even Carl would recognize that. So if you're ready to volunteer, we need your gifts. Where's my hot check? Where are you? There. See the hand? Put it back up. That hand. If you're ready to volunteer, go tell her. We need some of your hospitality gifts. Using your God-given gifts to build relationships and bring order out of chaos because it's actually a lot of fun. Let's get prayed up. Heavenly Father, as we think through what you have given us, may we not take it for granted, but realize that as frustrated as we may be that we want a different gift, the real challenge is not take for granted what you have given us to do. May we use it well. Enjoy the times we get paid for it. Be willing to use it sometimes just to build the community. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us in such an individual way. May we feel that you actually care about us so that we can pass it on to those around us. If there's anybody here today who doesn't know you, that ABC approach to the relationship with you, A is to admit that we are sinners. We're so build, uh, busy building our own kingdom that we miss out on the incredible blessings you have for us. B is to believe that Jesus is the one that makes us worthy of the throne room of God. And C is to choose to embrace our status as a child of God a unique, uniquely created child of God and live it out each and every day. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. And everybody said, amen.